Love this podcast? Support this show through the supporter feature from Acast. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High-quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Thanks for listening to Creative Control. Uh, While I have you here, please consider supporting Youth Empowerment and Support Services, otherwise known as YES. Based in Edmonton, Alberta, YES provides immediate and low-barrier overnight and day shelter, temporary supportive housing, and individualized wraparound supports for young people aged 15 to 24. They work collaboratively within a network of care focused on the prevention of youth homelessness by providing youth with the necessary supports to stabilize their housing, improve their well-being, build life skills, connect with community, and avoid re-entry into homelessness. Learn more about how to donate or otherwise support YES by visiting YESS.org. Hey, this is Nicole calling from Hamilton, and I needed to let everyone know that I really proudly support Beach and Creative Control. I have for many years, I will for many more, as long as he keeps delivering these amazing interview podcasts. When you hear one of Beach's interviews, you think he's known this guest for years, they're good friends, uh, but the truth is he approaches every interview, whether it's sort of up-and-coming indie artists or established icons or like famous intimidating comedians with Uh, a really deep, genuine curiosity, so he's never met this person, and the same really warm uh, candor, as though he's known them forever. I think it really lends to a great chat, no matter who he's talking to, and for that reason, I think you should throw Vish, like what, a dollar a month? He's got jokes. The jokes make it worth it. Support Creative Control on Patreon. To make your flexible monthly donation to Creative Control, please visit patreon.com slash Control today. I'm Visha's wife, and remember, when you name a dog Janet or Timothy, you are dragging humanity down just a little bit. is a band and musical pursuit helmed by Michael Milos, who currently calls Topanga, California, home. Born and raised in Toronto, Milos has lived in various cities across the world and has earned a reputation for being an inventive, prolific, and self-sufficient musician and singer. His latest album, As Rye, is a stirring and impassioned blast of swirling ambiance and arresting electronically infused soulful pop called Home which was released on January 22nd by Last Gang in Canada and Loma Vista elsewhere on planet Earth. Milos and I connected recently for a nice conversation about his California love and lions and tigers and bears. Oh my. His arts encouraging parents and the freedom he had to explore music as a child. Tennis lessons and singing, his new album Home, Future Plans, and more. A part of the Entertainment One Network with the support of listeners like you who follow and subscribe to this podcast and spread the word about it and make flexible monthly donations at patreon.com slash creative control 
and Massey Hall's concert film series, live at MasseyHall.com, where you can stream dozens of 30-minute films for free, including performances by past and even super current podcast guests like Rye, plus in-kind support from Pizza Trocadero, The Bookshelf, and Planet Bean Coffee in Guelph, and Granddad's Donuts in Hamilton. This is the 593rd episode of Creative Control, featuring the lovely and talented Michael Milos of Rye, with your host, me, Vishkana. Hi, Milos. How are you? Good. How are you doing, Vish? I'm well. I'm well. It's uh, nice to speak with you. Where in the world are you? I am currently in Los Angeles, but in Topanga. Ah, nice. That's uh, that's where you. That's your home? Is Are you in your home? Yep. Yep, I'm at home. Nice. How long have you been there? I, I know you're a bit of a nomad, so to speak. You've lived all over the place, but how long have you been in Topanga? Yeah, about a year and a half. Uh, I bought this house about a year and a half ago. And then... So I've been kind of... This is the longest I've really been grounded i guess you could say like unable to fly anywhere and so it's been very nice to kind of be in a more country environment uh during this time yeah yeah i can imagine so wait you were you were already isolated before all of us were isolating so to speak well i just decided that i wanted to build a, a studio on my property and um i bought it in august before the pandemic hit and set up the studio and so by the time the pandemic happened i was able to just kind of keep working i didn't I wasn't affected like negatively on a creative level. I see. I see. And do you recall what prompted the move to Los Angeles of all places at, at this point in history? With the Los Angeles seems cool. You know, I've never been. I've never been to California. It's weird. I've been all over the place. And I've never been to California. You really like California? Well, California is just very different than people think it is. California is well. Number one, like the weather's, you know, it's pretty amazing, but. I moved here in 2011 originally, but then I was just constantly touring. But I always had an apartment here. I've recorded... Well, I started the Riot Project in Berlin and Denmark, but uh, finished it in LA and then did all the subsequent records here. But California is absolutely beautiful. Like We're always going to Big Sur because my girlfriend Javier is from Big Sur and her mom still lives there. And that's one of the most you know beautiful places on the planet. Mm-hmm. It's in that category, uh, and then Topanga is is incredibly beautiful as well. Where where we live, so we we live on top of a mountain, kind of like Malibu, Topanga area. Yeah, it's got a rich uh, musical history mm-hmm. as well. Uh, and my understanding from something I read was that the house you you purchased uh, actually has a bit of a creative history as well, so to speak. Right, the people who live there or. Or, or rented it, or what have you. It's 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 been a hub for creativity. Is that correct? Yeah. Even the guy who built it was a photographer, and then he somehow learned how to build houses, and then built this house and a couple other houses around here. But um, yeah, it's just always been a very creative zone. And hmm. when you're on this property, you kind of understand it. Like the the houses aren't big, but there's four houses on the property, and one of them is my studio. And it's you don't have any neighbors. Um, because we're kind of buttressed against a national park, but you're not allowed to walk in the national park because there's a lot of animals and they don't want you disturbing the animals. So it's very, oh. very quiet and very, um, I don't know, you like there, you see stars here because there's a, a light ordinance. You're not allowed to have outside lights after a certain time and there's no street lights really. So you really, you feel like the, the movement of the sky, you, you know, it's, it's, oh. it's pretty special actually. Have you had... Any animal encounters with the animals that are surrounding your property? Oh, yeah, yeah. There's these three deer that I kind of watched grow from last year until now. And they will kind of come up and hang out while I'm singing sometimes. And they just... Oh. What I discovered is if you act all quiet around deer, like, oh, my God, there's a deer. They get kind of freaked out because they're, they're used to being prey, I guess. You know what I mean? Like, they're, they're very cautious animals. 
when you're singing and just enjoying yourself and doing your thing, they don't get scared. They 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 kind of act like everything's normal, and they just they hang out and like watch you for half an hour, forty five minutes, or whatever. We've had a baby mountain lion on the property, which that is freaky. I have to like bring my dog in and everything because you know when there's yeah. a baby mountain lion, the mom's near and. And then the other one, we get a lot of coyotes and bobcats, but the coyotes are a little intense because they come in packs of like five and you got to really watch your dog and them. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. So you've got, I'm sorry, I've, I've spoken to very few people who said they've encountered a mountain lion near their house. That's, that's a whole other level. Uh, is there any other reports of the mountain lion getting up to mischief or... Is there any chaos? No, the the mountain lions don't. You're not really on their menu, right? Like they've got a lot of things that they eat. You don't want right. to come across them and and spend too much time because um, they're very protective. But they they're not out to like attack you. I even had a night in Big Sur where we we're walking up the hill from Esalen, which is where my girlfriend kind of like grew up. It's this institute there, and um, we get to the top. And I get in my car and then I realize there's this huge mountain lion just staring at us. And I ended up just looking at it for five minutes, but we were in the car. Um, Mm. It was not phased by us at all. Like it just sat there looking at me and didn't do anything violent either. But there, yeah, I don't think you should try to interface with a mountain lion. Um, Yeah. No, no. And uh, I, I don't think that would be a good idea. You've had some encounters with animals isn't it true that you were once bitten by a bear i read that somewhere and i was like what no i was that never seems like a i was never <laughs> bitten by a bear like <laughs> no, 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 okay no. okay but i was hit in the face by a bear oh i see sorry yeah it's a slight that is an important distinction why are you in a situation where a bear is punching you in the face what what, what did you do to the bear i was just camping in algonquin park and a black bear oh moved me Moved me out of the way to steal some food, and uh, and we were doing the whole thing like bear bags, putting everything up in the trees and everything. But it was the morning, and um, this bear kind of just shoved me out of the way, and I don't think it meant to hurt me, to be honest with you. It just kind of pushed me out of the way. But yeah, it did put its like paw on my face and and put me. I was on the ground, and I just didn't do anything. So I'm like, I'm not gonna. I'm just gonna relax and let the bear take the food. Then <laughs> like it's you know what are you gonna do? You have some sort of animal magnetism, it seems. Uh, large, powerful, wild animals uh, are drawn to your aura, is what I'm getting at, Milos. It seems, is it, have you, has anyone else pointed this out to you? Bears, lions? I mean, we're very close to that song about the picnic or whatever it is with the lions and the tigers and the bears. Have you seen a tiger? <laughs> I, uh, I've had an incident with a tiger, but it's it's not good. What? Yeah, because it, it was in Thailand and... I like checked out this uh, this farm that had tigers, and I actually think they mistreat the tigers there. But sure, yeah. I went into the cage, and this one tiger sprayed me with its sexual musk, and it took about two weeks to get that off. It was really gross. Oh come on! I mentioned animal magnetism, and now you're being sprayed with sexual musk by a tiger. What yeah. are the odds of this? This seems insane to me on some level. If I might use that word, wow! I'll be honest. Like, I've had a lot of run-ins with animals, and they're always usually <laughs> yes, positive. It seems that way. Yeah, <laughs> you've, uh, you've outlined a few already that I find baffling. I mean, that mm-hmm. is that is curious. Well, it's striking that we're talking about uh, the the animal neighbors you have. You <laughs> named a record a uh, home, which mm-hmm. is a gorgeous and beautiful record, if I might say. First of all, congratulations Thanks. on this. Thanks, Vish. Yeah, no, you're welcome. So you've named a record home. And it will be released during a period where all of us have become almost uncomfortably aware of our own homes. Mm-hmm. Where a lot of us are, are are locked in our homes. We can't go out. Was that purposeful? I, I, I know that the, the maybe the title has a couple of meanings to you, but did it strike you that that might be a weird thing to call a record when some of us are so sick of our homes and our <laughs> houses that uh, we want to get out? Yeah, I mean, it is weird. Uh, I had called it home before the pandemic ever started. Like, I knew that this record was going to be called home before I started making the music for it. I'm one of those people that, like, uh, I just keep doing what I'm going to do, you know? I also weirdly have this scenario where I, not to get, like, too mystical, but I, I create things and then sometimes they be, they kind of come true. And... You know, it's very weird that I called it home and then we ended up spending a lot of time at home. But it's also, for me, it was more of a personal thing. Like, I 
bought this house in Topang and I've never needed to buy a house or I never needed a stationary home because I do live such a trend like transitory like light like mm-hmm. I'm always touring all the time usually yeah, yeah, yeah touring all the time I've lived in everywhere from Thailand to Germany to Holland grew up in Toronto lived in Montreal like I like bouncing around but this is yeah I had like this weird biological calling to to have a home and a creative center and then the pandemic hit and I'm really lucky that we uh, moved out of downtown LA and we now live in a an environment that I've got lots of space and I haven't felt creatively like stifled here at all. Right. And so you've made most, if not all, of the record at your home. Is that right? Yeah. The, uh, failing a couple of things, like, you know, we had a 50-piece choir from Denmark come in and that I had to do at a really big recording studio because you need a huge room for that and 12 mm-hmm. to 15 microphones and all that stuff. Um, Significant studio too, right? What studio did you use for well, that? that? That was United. Um, yeah. It's like a heritage studio in LA. It's like a proper, amazing studio. It's been there forever. And then I did a lot of the drums at the Complex, which is Revival at the Complex, which is Earth, Wind & Fire's old studio. And I'd done Blood and Spirit there. And then, so I just, I still did a lot of the drums there because it has a very, very beautiful sounding room for drums. But yeah. Everything else I did at my studio, especially the vocals and the synthesizers and the strings and all that stuff. So, so that speaks to the double meaning of home that mm-hmm. I'm sort of getting at, I yeah. guess, a little bit. Yeah, you wanted to reflect that. Uh, so, you know, you you grew up in Toronto, uh, but it did it not feel like home? It's not home currently. Do you miss Canada at all, particularly during this pandemic? Yeah, actually, I just spent two months there with my parents. Um, I got back last week to L.A., so I was there for the two months. I was deeply missing my parents during this whole pandemic. I just needed to finish mm-hmm. the record, and I also was like working on a film score, and then I did another uh, classical, classical minimal, minimal classical record, and you know, getting the music videos ready. And So I had a whole bunch of stuff I had to do, but then as soon as I could, I went to Canada. I did my whole... 14-day quarantine, and then hung out with my parents Mm. every day. Yeah, I recently, or a a year ago, as we're speaking, I moved from Ontario to Alberta. Mm. Uh, My parents are in Ontario, so I miss them uh, quite a bit. And uh, it's it's difficult. It's a weird... The whole situation's been been weird. In in titling a record home... Sorry, you've titled the record home. You made part of it at home. Mm -hmm. Lyrically, does it convey something about the notion... Of home, would you say? Is there an overarching theme? Because I, when I was reading the lyrics, it seemed to be more about uh, intimacy and personal relationships. Like that's the stuff that that jumped out to me, um, and yep. kind of the enigmatic quality of relationships. And you know, what are people thinking? What's going on behind their eyes? Like that kind of stuff, sort of uh, spoke to me uh, as I was sort of reading the lyrics and listening to your your singing. But um, does it? Does all of that speak to some notion of home? Yeah, I mean, that's what home is. I don't think home is just a structure, you know, or or an actual location. Home is also a place uh, within yourself and within uh, whatever you're building with your partner. And, you know, Um, so for me, it's like a physical place, but it's also like an emotional center, um, an intention, an intention that I end up putting out through music as well because my my life and music merge a lot you know there's not a lot of separation between yeah what i write sure. about and how i'm living so do you feel like in reconciling what home means to you and and that maybe another person in your life like your wife uh you know that is home to you but does that speak to any lack of home you felt maybe growing up in Canada or elsewhere? You bounced around a lot, it sounds like, but has that that notion of home been elusive to you on a, like you say, it's a physical structure, but also on an emotional and spiritual level? Has home been missing on some level? Not really. Um, I mean, well, me and Shelby are not married, but... um, Oh, I apologize. I didn't mean to... Sometimes this was not not some, (laughs) you know, angle... That your lady friend yeah, asked me to, put you up to it. you know, yeah, yeah. subliminally ask you to propose or anything like that. Yeah, I just yeah. I misspoke. I apologize. Um, no, I mean I'm not missing home. I don't. I don't think I'm missing anything in my life. I think I'm just one of those people that I enjoy whatever phase that I'm in. And even when there's terrible things happening, 
happening to me or whatever, like something's difficult or whatever, I try to use all of that and I kind of try to convert that into something artistic. Um, So for me, it's like there's never been anything missing in my life. I actually, I try to, I'm a very present person and I try to live very full, a very full life, whatever it is that I'm in at that time. So I don't just like fantasize about the future or the grass is always greener on the other side kind of thing. I'm, I'm living in it. But uh, sure, yeah, yeah, it was just the first time I sense. wanted a home. So I guess that's what it is. When you say that when life presents you with challenges, you, you try to kind of articulate your feelings about them via, via your music. Do you hear in any specific songs here, do you hear that adversity? Like, do you hear the inspiration for uh, the, the, the song? Uh, and do you think back on those moments now and with any kind of reflection? Do you know what I mean? Yeah, I mean, very specifically, Black Rain is a song that I created. And then these forest fires uh, like ravaged like the areas all around us and they became really terrifying. And mm. kind of like this weird prophesizing thing i didn't know even why i sang the words black rain i it kind of came out of some kind of stream of consciousness and then there was one day we woke up and there was all this soot just coming down from the sky and like landing on a car like our cars and then the driveway and you could see it on the deck and there was this literal black rain which was the result of these massive forest fires in california that were like they're very threatening. Like when when there's a forest fire around, it's it's terrifying, you know. And uh, well, yeah, have you been touched by them personally? Like uh, by your property? By your property? I mean, the property? No. Um, my girlfriend's mom's house, like five years ago, did burn down in a forest fire in Big Sur, and I have some oh, friends man. whose houses did get uh, like literally demolished. We went up to Big Sur, and we know someone who had their house burnt down, and. We ended up filming my friend Alana dancing naked in the rubble. We're we're not going to put it out as a ride video or anything, but we just have this incredible footage of her dancing around this this house that's been burnt. But it was her children actually that we used for coming closer to that music video. Oh, I see. It's just like you know, it's just it's omnipresent here. I mean, Canada has harsh winters and it's got um, possible ice storms here and there. And California's got dry winters and like dry summers and it can get very dangerous here so well the elements in california well i'm always fascinated by people who live in california on some level given the elemental i guess volatility let's call it you got earthquakes you got forest fires you're right by the ocean mm-hmm. there's climate change uh some of you encounter mountain lions uh, <laughs> you know in your yard that's mm-hmm. a lot of stuff that you don't get you know living in say toronto or somewhere else mm-hmm. maybe other parts of america like are you do you reconcile yourself to is there is there an aspect of that that you're that danger if you will i don't mean to sound like a chicken uh or a sort of overly paranoid but yeah, like, yeah, yeah. that's there isn't it that's always with you every day like well it's uh there could be a flood there could be an earthquake there could be a, a mudslide it could be all sorts of things like that's just with you as a as a resident there i assume well in big sur we've been in mudslides um i've watched a road literally get destroyed and taken out by a mudslide and then it's that road was damaged for a year you know yeah. there was a point when one of the bridges broke and it, like was collapsing so when we'd walk from one like from Jean-Vierre's mom's house to to get to the other side to go to Esalen you had to do a 45 minute hike through the forest and get around the the bridge uh Topanga is a little less volatile there's the fire situation which is very scary we do have like a fire system set up at our house with like a perimeter that will like turn on if I like set it up and try to protect the house. And we have an underground fire bunker with 20 oxygen tanks. So if we're ever caught in a dangerous scenario, we can like go underground and it's solid concrete. And you know, like there's things in terms of the ocean, I'm not that worried. We're, I don't know how many feet we are up, but we're at the top of the mountain. We're like, you know, higher ground is safer. Like Sun Tzu was right. You know, like (laughs) there, there is something to that. But um, the earthquakes, we had a, a like geological study of this area before we bought the house, and we're on one of the safer areas for earthquakes because we're on like solid rock. So mm. earthquakes, they need soft surfaces to express themselves, and 
we're in a fairly good place. I mean, unless the whole thing breaks apart and goes into the ocean, but I don't I know. I guess there's a certain hardiness you're instilled with as a Californian then. You know, you're kind of used to something maybe will go wrong that is out of your control, so you prepare mentally uh, or, as you say, with sort of uh, resources, and then you just live your life. I mean, I, I, I'm trying to relate what you're talking about with how certain uh, parts of the world are dealing with this pandemic, and uh-huh. some people are are unprepared and in denial and are freaking out, and others are, well, that's just another thing. You know, we deal with so many things uh, every month that this is just another thing. Is that is that maybe true about Californians? Because California obviously has a very high uh, transmission rate as we're speaking, I believe. Yes? Yeah, it seems to. Um, I think that... I don't know if Californians are hardy or not, or I don't know if they're naive or not. Like, I, I don't know, because there's... Yeah. There's like 33 yeah. There's, there's million, that too. you know, like there's... <laughs> There's the larger, I think, than the population of Canada in, in Southern California. So you mm. the high transmission rate, I'm going to guess, is probably population density orientated. Canada has the one luxury of having an enormous amount of space and not that many people. Um, I think there's another couple things that, not to go too socialist on you, but I <laughs> do think that everyone should have access to free health care. And I think that helps people deal with uh, sickness is better and in a place like California where there is a socioeconomic implication of that people with a lower income are less likely to like seek medical attention maybe you know and then sure, therefore yeah. there's a little bit more transmission so I think there's some some things that California would could definitely learn from other parts of the world but there's other things that California does incredibly well and I think one of them is forward thinking or ingenuity i mean it's not by coincidence that the whole tech world kind of was born here or that the music industry exists here that hollywood exists here yeah there's an incredible forward thinking mentality in california and i think it's been here for like 60 70 years it just expresses itself depending on the technology of the time in different ways sure but um there's something about constantly seeing sunsets it makes you forward thinking you're constantly you know the sun's not leaving you like when you're facing east like you get the morning and then it's gone i think there's some kind of psychological effect of constantly being like wow like we get to see sunsets every night and it it kind of makes you strive for something you know i don't know there's hmm. something about that the power it's some sort of solar power thing that is <laughs> impacting you psychically well yeah that's, just that's, that's like that's not just solar power like, i mean i've got like solar power roof like I, my house is solar power oh no I, I was just making a little joke but i mean yeah, I, but was, I was i was making an that. allusion to yeah i mean there's, there something about this. there's something about it like look at the growing season in california is massive so you don't have to store a bunch of um uh like food like in canada right you've got like this a surplus essentially and then anytime you have a surplus you get like philosophy, you get uh, delving into technology you, because you're not kind of thinking with a scarcity mentality. You've got abundance yeah. and you can kind of only think forward. It's, I think any time through history has been like that. Anytime there's abundance, then you get many enlightenments that follow. Yeah, I've heard that about California, that there's plenty for all. There's mm-hmm. lots of <laughs> stuff and that maybe does uh, temper your selfishness and your panic about whether you'll have access to things, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, I'm sure that's there. Yeah. You have a very grounded perspective and f- like there's a philosophical bent, I think, to your work as well. I, I want to travel back a little bit to figure out where that kind of comes from. We've alluded to the fact that you were raised in Toronto. Uh, from what I've read, your your father uh, was an accomplished musician who saw that you had a, a, oh, a talent. Yeah. for. Oh, what, is your dog interjecting? What, yeah. what is your dog's name? Hero, she's barking because someone's pulling up to the driveway, and so she's. I know we'll see how if, that, she, if she keeps barking, like I'll a, have to let her out, but we'll see. It's like a tiger in a truck, I bet, just visiting. Yeah, it's, it's like just, some sort of or a lion. There's some. There's something probably going a bear. On. It's that bear. It's that bear that came to the take bear's a swipe back. Anyway, the bear's back. <laughs> we'll let Hero do uh, Hero's thing. But my point here is, yes, my understanding is that your father is an accomplished musician, and he spotted. Uh, talent within you from a very young age. Is that correct? Like you, you took to music when you were what, three years old or something like that? 
Yeah, I mean, I started playing cello at three. Um, my dad was very supportive. I also studied, uh, I went to Suzuki School of Music, and I've always been very artistic. Like, so grade three, I auditioned for an art school called Claude Watson, and then from there, you know, you're doing dance, uh, acting, but I was a visual art major. I always kind of wanted to be an artist, actually, and one of my dad's best friends is a, an amazing Canadian painter named George McLean, who actually just got the Order mm. of Ontario. But um, I got to like paint with him as a young person. I think he's technically one of the most amazing wildlife painters like that's that's lived, you know. So for me, it's just everything's been very arts orientated. Yeah. Yeah. Sure. And 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 your father played what exactly? He played violin, but he plays other instruments too. Yeah. You know. Right. Classical music. Yeah. 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 Primarily, right. So you were initially drawn to classical music. By the way, what kind of father says to their three-year-old, sure, monkey around with the cello? Those cellos are expensive, aren't they? I mean, you start with a, a, a smaller cello, and it's it's made for kids, so they're not as expensive. But eventually they get a, they get pricey. But Oh, you were, you were, you were given a, a, a child's cello. Yeah, like you, I couldn't. I mean, a, a, a cello is bigger than a three-year-old, so you would. Uh, that's you what I mean. That's why I was. Ba- I'm, I was just picturing tiny little you, no, with no, no. A gargantuan cello, you know, and trying to play it. I mean, no, that you seems... start with a smaller cello, yeah. Small cello, okay. So that encouragement from and was your uh, was your mother around? Was your mother uh, encouraging as well? Yeah, actually, my parents are both just. I think the biggest gift that they ever gave me is uh, lack of judgment and highly supportive of anything I want to do. Like, we were on a road trip one time, and I was drumming in the car, and I was, like, in grade 9 or something like that, and my parents were just like, oh, you love drumming. And so for one of my birthdays... Like, like slapping your your knees kind of thing? Yeah, I was, like, drumming on my mom and drumming on the the armrest and all those things. And Hmm. So for my birthday, they set up a drum set on the front lawn. Like, they bought me a drum set and then woke me up, and I came out, and there was a drum set set up and the front the front lawn oh, yeah. your neighbors must have been thrilled i mean <laughs> yeah they, they were actually i don't know i mean i've always gotten along with my neighbors but they're just supportive you know and when i you know when someone says they want to have a, a career in music i think most parents are like oh my god like you should be doing something else my parents were just like great that sounds awesome um let me up the uh, let me up the ante because i used to drum on my knees in the car rides we used to drive from Cambridge, Ontario to Scarborough, Ontario to visit my my mom's uh, brothers and sisters mm-hmm. who all lived in that area. So I would drum on. My, I would I would encourage my parents to play the tapes I had, which you know, like the Beatles and U two and In Excess or whatever I had or whatever I was into. And I would drum on my knees, and they were so discouraging <laughs> that I think I've never I've never viewed I've never figured this out. But they they suggested that in their religion, drumming on one's knees. Uh, portend it, it actually uh, brought about death. It was a bad omen to sit. Wait, and what, drum. Relig- what religion? I, I think they made it. Well, they're Hindus, but I, I've not fact checked this, and perhaps a, a Hindu listening now can email me or something or get at me because I've never. I just was like, what? They were. I think they just didn't like the racket. They didn't like the racket, invoked, and for sure, they that's, death. Yeah, that's for sure. Does not bring on death. I mean. You look at that whole part of the world. Uh, drumming's a huge part of uh, yes, both Indian, Pakistani music. Like you know, tabla is some of the most like complicated polyrhythms. <laughs> There's a, well, you know, like, that's what I would have thought. Yeah. If you, like your parents heard you doing that and they got you a drum kit. I actually, this is true. I, it sounds ridiculous, but I remember once playing one of my dad's records. And I got out his tennis racket and was pretending to perform, like mm. as, as though the tennis racket was a guitar. Yeah. And I'm not joking. Within three weeks, I was in tennis lessons. So that's, that's the kind point. of parents I had. They just they they didn't want me to get into music. Yeah, they and found worker workarounds. So yeah. Oh, you like you like guitar? Let's have you play tennis. Tennis. That's kind of like a guitar. You like drumming. Uh, you're going to kill someone. You're going to go to so hell. So I, yeah. uh, it was just very complicated. So I, I just, I'm just trying to get at the fact that you seem to have had a very uh, uh, blessed upbringing and that you were encouraged to pursue your music. But you also had talent. Maybe that was it. Maybe they, they were ah, subliminally saying, uh, yeah, 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 you yeah. don't really know what you're doing. That guitar solo you played on the tennis racket, not very good. <laughs> it wasn't good. No. You know? Yeah. It so wasn't maybe stadium that's worthy. 
They, like my parents tend to be like very practical, like about their children. You know, well, you gotta. Did your parents ever say, "Well, you gotta have something to fall back on, Milos. You can't just play cello all the time." No, that's the thing See? about my parents. They never said I needed something to fall back on. In fact, my mom told me an anecdote recently that I was running down the street and there was this like neighborhood bully that was bullying people. And he was probably mm-hmm. four years older than me, so there was a massive height difference at the time. I was pretty young. And I was running, and he was picking on me, and they saw me fall. And I hit the ground, I rolled, and I bounced back up, and I kept like yelling at this guy. Even though I'm a, I was a very peaceful child, I never yeah. like took anything for anyone. Like If someone kind of was a bully, I was very down for the challenge, I guess they, they would say. And my mom at that point said, oh, Mike's going to be fine. And she told me that that's kind of been their thought about me my whole life so when I anytime anything goes wrong or whatever they they think I'm going to figure it out and you know like well they should take some credit for that they they encouraged you when when you encourage someone a child and I have to remind myself of this every time my children are doing something that I'm not the biggest fan of but when you can constantly uh, if you encourage a child enough within certain parameters they're going to develop confidence and it sounds like your parents by simply saying yeah explore do your thing. You have confidence. You have the confidence to... Not many people would live in like five, six, seven countries throughout their lifetime. No, like, and my know, parents... Completely different. They encouraged me. When I said I was going to move to Holland, they were like, that's amazing. That's great. And then I learned like Dutch really well in a you know, short amount of time, and they were very happy with that. And when I said I was going to yeah. move to Thailand, they are like, oh, that's awesome. Like, great. I hope you have fun out there. You know, they weren't yeah. thinking like, why are you doing that at whatever, 27 years old? Like, why don't you buckle down and get a job like they knew that my my life goals aren't materially um centric like i'm not just trying to make money like that's not what the goal in my life is my life is to have a really like fun fulfilled life but that centers around music and i knew very early on that i was just going to do either art or music and I'm not the guy that wants an office job and that wouldn't work with my personality. I'd probably yeah. go insane. But my parents just never were worried because they're just like, yeah, he'll figure it out, you know? And I think yeah. that's that's a really positive thing for a for a parent to express to their child. Like, whatever, whatever it is you're going to do, it might not happen right away. Like, you know, it took me a while to figure out how to, to make a living in music. It's not like it just comes out of nowhere, but I was enjoying it the whole time, you know? And you can live in Berlin with not that much money. It was actually cheaper than Toronto by by a lot. So my parents yeah. weren't that worried. And then you start to realize, oh my God, I can play concerts and make enough money in like four nights to pay for six months of rent in Berlin. And you're like, wait, I can do this. And then it's kind of like a self-fulfilling prophecy. Um, and it just starts to work. And you're like, oh, why don't I just keep going down this path and figuring it out? And then you're like, if you want to get practical about it, like what are you going to do when you retire? And then you just start looking at that separately but you know yeah in terms of what you want to do with your life there's not one way to live and not one pre-prescribed methodology you need to take you know approach with uh to my ear there's still uh, a classical music component to Mm -hmm. your work is that that's fair to say i assume based on my what i'm hearing but is that purposeful on some point like you never really abandoned your interest in classical music, it seems to me. No, I mean, like, the score I did for films this year is very classical or classically orientated. It's very um, orchestrated. Uh, I did a minimal classical record as well for Secular Sabbath that we're going to release later. And this this record, the Rye Project to me is, is me just um, honoring multiple genres. Like, there's elements of classic rock on the record. There's elements of classical music there's elements of choral gregorian music there's elements of like r&b like to me i'm not stuck in one genre and i'm not um trying to one i'm not trying to create one particular genre or do a genre i'm just creating music from anything that inspires me you know both sonically and contextually how do you distinguish uh the music and and the tone of spirit with that of home uh to my ear home is uh, rather upbeat. Mm-hmm. Uh, it has a more optimistic kind of tone, if you will. Uh, but what's your what's your character? How would you, if you had to, in the in the context of an interview, if you had to uh, 
distinguish between the two records, how would you do so? So, I mean, Spirit was kind of like... Well, first of all, I bought this beautiful piano, and I was just really into making piano music, and we were just starting the Secular Sabbath ambient nights that me and my girlfriend throw. And so Spirit is kind of like me interpreting that ambient music that I was creating into a rye format, but it was also an antidote for me from a year where I'd done an incredible amount of touring. Like just, I was a little bit tired and exhausted from it and I wanted to create a soothing record for myself. And you know, you're, you get in an emotional state when you are creating music and spirit was kind of, that's the emotional state I wanted to be in, which was one of uh, calm and a reprieve from intensity. And then home, home is kind of like, fantasizing you know in a lot of ways uh for when i can tour again and i actually love the moments that we can bring a crowd really up and i can get people dancing and you know i'm not like a myopic in any way like i look at music as i'm not again because i'm not doing one style of music i can do a record like spirit or i can do a minimal classical record or i can do a record like home that is by design to be a little bit more energetic and have a little bit more uh like fun interjected or interlaced in it yeah but that's also from touring constantly for since 2011 i've done like 700 or some you know 750 concerts and you start to realize like oh it's good to have songs that can get people going because it's really elated that that feeling when you can raise the room a little bit and get people dancing and smiling and having fun and then you want songs like need a lover or song for you from blood where I can take the crowd down and bring them into a really sentimental moment. And you get to see people have this beautiful um, catharsis in that. And uh, yeah, I like the complexity of it. You know, I like the sonic complexity, but the emotional complexity in a concert. And so all this music. Well, we've talked. Yeah, no, I, I appreciate that. We've talked a lot. You just alluded to the fact that you've played over 700 shows. We've talked about how you've lived in different places. You're a traveler. Uh, some of us are learning a lot about ourselves in this kind of stasis, mm-hmm. you know, where we're mostly uh, having to stay in one place, uh, ideally our homes. Uh, are you learning about yourself? Have you learned about yourself over the course of this last year? Or just about, oh my God, like you're, I'm usually a shark that needs to keep moving. <laughs> uh, I can't do that now. Mm-hmm. What is this saying about me? Like, have you have you reassessed the way you work or the way you think about anything by having to sort of adopt a kind of stillness? I'm not that still. I'm just calmly moving forward. I mean, literally making three sonic projects during this time, shooting music videos. Um, Well, I meant physically. I meant, like, I appreciate that you're you're working hard. I just mean you're, you're, are you mostly at home or no? No, we still do that. Like, we go to the desert a lot. We've been having, like, these beautiful nights in the desert. And we got to go to James Terrell's uh, beautiful rodent crater in Arizona. We did like a road trip out there, camped at the bottom of the crater, and I did a vocal performance in his art piece, which was incredible. And, you know, we go to Big Sur often, which is like a six-hour drive. And when we're there, we're very physical. There's a lot of uh, interfacing with nature, hiking, climbing up mountains. And I think that I'm a doer. So no matter what, I'm doing something. It could be writing a record or it could be Trump, you know, going through a river with jean and us finding locations to shoot our friends' kids for a music video. It's not like I haven't been sedentary just because we're at home. Also, not to be weird, but even walking up my driveway is crazy because we live on a vertical incline. Like most people can't walk up our driveway from the bottom to the top without stopping twice, you know. There's a lot of physical yeah. movement in my life. We go hiking every night with our dog. We go to the beach all the time, make sure she gets lots of playtime with other dogs and just swimming in the ocean. So, yeah, I'm not on planes and I'm not going to cities and playing concerts, but I think I've just changed that energy output to something else and uh, yeah, been doing okay. tons of stuff. Yeah, well, it sounds like you're, you're very busy. Uh Singing on the new record is great. You're you know you're well regarded for your singing. Uh, do you have any perspective on how that's evolved? You're a, people say you're a high. You sing high. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think some people have uh, described it as androgynous. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Do you have any perspective on your your vocals as they've evolved and where they're at at the moment? I don't think I sing that high. I think I have a higher register for sure than like 
don't know, the, like the national or something like that. Um, I think what it is, the androgyny comes from the fact that I use a lot of air tone. I don't constrict my vocal cords. I'm really interested mm. in this idea of letting sound come out of it, out of your body, as opposed to pushing it out. When you push out, mm. you have to belt and you have to create a lot of volume. I let sound come out, which is air tone and it's not constricted. And as a result, there's a softness to it, which I think due to the fact that we live in a Western culture and there's a a cultural lens, uh, people view that as androgynous. I don't think softness is mm-hmm. necessarily female, though, or androgynous. I th- no, no, no. I mean, but it reminds me of all sorts of different things. I mean, I know I think Sade has been invoked, but I also think of sort of uh, 60s psychedelia as well. Uh, you know, there's... Uh, do you have favorite singers, by the way? I mean, we talked about your music making, but do you have singers that you're like, that you can sort of, not only are they your favorites, but do you do you think of, can you think of singers who inform your approach to singing? Not really. I kind of purposely don't want to sound like other people, and I don't try sure. to embody what someone else has done. I like other singers. Like, I think Tom York's an amazing singer, but I'm not trying to sound like Tom York. Or right. I think Bjork's an amazing singer, but I'm not trying to sound like Bjork at all. You know, there's, I mean, I love Marvin Gaye too, Like, but I don't want to sound like Marvin Gaye. Marvin Gaye is Marvin Gaye. Hmm. Like I just, You've chosen very dynamic vocalists. That's interesting. Yeah, and I, and I do like a lot of, uh, I do like a lot of what I hear out, out, out there, but I think I'm just doing what I do, you know? I think, and yeah. that's the key to being happy within your own art form is you do what you're capable of and then you try mm-hmm. to do it really well. And so... For me, like experimenting with my voice has come through tons of concerts and then the Secular Sabbath performances, which are all improv and they're two to two hours sometimes, three hours of me doing vocals and just exploring melody and doing different things with looping stations and stuff. But yeah, to me, I just, I've kind of fit, like found where I feel comfortable. But honestly, there's a body uh, happiness. So when I sing the way I sing, I feel good, you know? Yeah. So yeah. I'm not trying to hit the type like the top note or I'm not trying to do this or that. Like I'm not trying to push myself all the time. I'm actually trying to find like like a physical feeling or sensation of happiness. And the way I sing makes me feel good and it's very cathartic for me. It's not mm-hmm. it's not laborious would be another way of saying it. And uh therefore I feel like that has value because it has value to me when I'm doing it because of the actual like physical sensation I kind of trust that that will have value in culture you know when I put it out well I think it's fair to say that that's true I mean the passion in your music is is evident it doesn't feel uh, put on or Mm -hmm. anything like that there's a lot of emotion there and uh so mission accomplished, if I may, <laughs> Milos. Uh, the re- the record is called uh, Home. What do you do with this beyond putting it out right now? Are you going to engage in, you know, live streams or any other kind of performances uh, remotely, or what? What's your plan, if if any? Yeah, I mean, we're trying to figure it out. I'm going to do more visual uh, pieces for it, like music video styles, because I also love shooting music videos, and I, you know. Um, me and my girlfriend kind of write them together and generally just do the camera work and stuff, except for Black Rain, which was Sam Taylor Johnson and Aaron Taylor Johnson doing that one, but we set up the camera. And then for me, it's just kind of like, okay, I'd love to do some live streams. I want to make sure everyone feels comfortable to be in an environment together, though, because I have like seven or eight people. So yeah. to put everyone in, a, in an enclosed environment, I'm just considering or gauging everyone's kind of comfortability with that and... Because I don't want to be the guy that gets everyone together, and then somehow there's a COVID outbreak. Probably shouldn't. Probably shouldn't do it if I might say. I don't want to be. Yeah. Uh, you know, Mister Worry, but I don't think that's a good idea. Well, we did one. <laughs> like we did. I rented a roller rink, and we filmed our, uh, us doing some stuff in a roller rink. But we all got tested, and we we had to make sure we didn't sure. do anything for yeah. before we met up. And so it takes it takes like three weeks of your time to do something that should be one day because you got to plan the whole thing. Mm-hmm. I would like to do live streams, but I I just want everyone in my band to be comfortable first. And then I also want to do a live stream if it feels like it's going to be of a certain quality, you know? Yeah, yeah. It's it's hard to achieve that with a big band. Like you need, you sometimes need all the the elements of what you get on a stage and monitors and space and 
amplification and stuff like that. So I don't know. We're just trying to figure it out. Maybe it's going to come down to doing a stripped down version of four songs where it's just an acoustic guitar and me singing and it'll be a, yeah. like a redo. I don't know. Cause, but that might be the pandemic version of, of, uh, of a live stream, but it might be interesting for people to see you in a, in a stark and raw way, even though the record is so layered and lush, you know? Yeah. And I've done it sometimes. Like we did the yeah. mahogany sessions in England, uh, like three years ago now for blood yeah, yeah. where, you know, we do, I've done it and we can do it, but I still need like two string players, a keyboardist and someone doing a beat. That's man. I mean, that's still five people. So yeah, I'm just trying to figure it out. And then failing that, I'm just going to keep making more music and just put more music out. And then when we can tour, just I'll really jump into that head first and have fun with that. Well, I, I wish you the best of luck with, with all of that, by the way, uh, you said black rain just came to you, uh, as a title, I think you said, or an idea. And even the lyrics. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, well, I'm I'm reminded of a film with, with Michael, Michael Douglas. Douglas from- oh no, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, okay. <laughs> Someone else said that too. And I was like, oh, I can I even forgot about that movie. Um, yeah, I was in India when that came out, and uh, it's the only time I've been to India. I was 12 years old or something, mm-hmm. and I I remember it because they had bootlegs of the movie, like the movie on the way to from Toronto to. India, I was seeing ads for Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade and Black Rain. And then when we got there, we went to like the video rental hut yeah. that was near my grandparents' house. And they're like, here you go. So I watched a bootleg of Last Crusade in India and I watched a bootleg of Black Rain. I think I watched it. Maybe Black Rain was too mature for me, but I saw that they had it. I'm like, what? This just, I didn't understand what bootlegging of movies was. Totally. Uh, <laughs> I mean, Thailand anyway, is like that too. That I, just I saw bootleg movies in Thailand and then sometimes you realize it's someone filming the film and yes. stands up in front of the camera and I mean, it's ridiculous. It's hilarious. Yeah. But yeah, that's a So anyway, so that's, I just wanted to conjure Black Rain in that regard. You're saying this might be subconscious, you didn't even think of it? No, there's there's no connection to Michael Douglas. As, <laughs> as charming as he is, especially in Romance in the Stone, there's no oh, connection great, to great Michael film. Douglas. Yeah. Yeah. Actually, yeah, I yeah. weirdly met him one day in Toronto. I was sitting eating ice cream, and it was in the Forest Hill Village, and him and Catherine Zeta-Jones pulled up in front of me and my friend Ryan, and they got out of the car, and they're like, hey... What are you eat? What are you eating? I was like, uh, I'm, this ice cream. He was like, is it good? And I was like, yeah, yeah, it's great. He asked you what you were eating. Is it not self-evident to Michael Douglas what an ice cream cone looks like? Well, what, what is that? What I is that strange he wants food? To know its flavor. So I was really enjoying it. <laughs> but he was okay, actually that's good. incredibly nice and endearing, and I think he was just just being friendly, to be honest with you. And uh, I was I was really. I was like, wow, like I've been seeing him in movies since I was a little kid. I remember watching Romance in the Stone with my my parents, you know, in the movie theater and we're probably a similar age and I just it's yeah. kinda cool to see someone like that, but then they're actually nice to you and you're like, Oh wow, that's that was really nice. Well, that is uh, remarkable in itself that you would have encountered uh, Michael, Michael Douglas. Dutton. Well anyway, the the record is beautiful, it's called Home, I believe it is out in Canada anyway, on Last Gang, is that right? Yep. Canon, Alaska, right. and uh, Loma Vista in the States, yeah. Right, there you go. And where can people go to learn, or where would you like people to go, I should say, uh, to sort of keep up with your doings and happenings? If they were to follow you or go to a website, where would you like to send them? I mean, my Instagram, my raw Instagram is pretty telling of the life I'm living. Um, yeah, I don't know. If anyone's interested, just check out the Instagram. But hopefully they just listen to the music and it does something for them. And Okay. In whatever format, like vinyl. I'm a bit of a vinyl geek, so I'd love for people to hear it on vinyl. But if they're driving and want to stream it on Apple or Spotify, that's great. Or Amazon. Like to me, the delivery system. You know, there's a, there's some choices out there, and it doesn't matter. It's just hopefully the music affects uh, them in a really positive way, and that 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 they enjoy it. I've been listening to the record on a, a newer Bluetooth speaker mm. that I obtained recently for the house. I've decided to put. Uh, Bluetooth speakers in as many rooms as possible so that I can just listen to things whenever I want instead of carrying the old one I had around. Anyway, I am very interested in hearing this on vinyl, so I'm going to get myself a copy uh, because it it seems like a record that would sound great in my... I have a nice sort of stereo setup, and I've I've thought this... It's funny you bring this up because I'm like, this would sound amazing coming through my 
uh, on the record player through those speakers. I, I can't wait. Yeah, we also mixed it separately for vinyl and did a separate master. So we did a very intentional mix. Oh, trying to play to the strengths of vinyl and like the warmth of it. So it does sound different on vinyl and it is a slightly okay. different mix. Um, I'm, I'm particularly happy with, with that. And then I just finished an Atmos Dolby mix as well. So there's going to be a whole Atmos mix. That's another mix as well. So there's three mixes of it. Whoa. Okay. All right. Well, I'm going to track, uh, track down a copy of home myself. Uh, if we can go out on a song, from the album, Milos, so people can get a, a flavor for what we've been talking about. What song would you pick and why? I would say Hold You Down. I just, I really like the way that turned out sonically. And then I love that the choir's on that song as well. And so yeah. I would say it's an interesting song because it's not one of the tracks that we've led with. It's not Black Rain or Coming Closer and stuff, but it's an interesting song to hear. It's kind of okay. kind of classic rocky, but at the same time, any 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 track, you know. No, no, I, I, this is why I ask. I, I feel like even the question uh, can elicit some insight from my guests, so that's why I ask uh, guests to choose. And, and sure enough, it did. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, I, I like that that's where your, your mind went. Okay, this is Hold You Down by Rye from the uh, beautiful new album Home. Uh, Milos, uh, I really appreciate this time. It was lovely to uh, speak to you. I think this is the first time we've ever encountered each other, and I I enjoyed myself. I hope you did, too. Uh, Best of luck with everything in the future. No, thanks so much, man. It was a great interview, actually. I loved it. Um, Yeah, stay safe and just kind of have fun in, I guess, Alberta, right? Like, you're going to be staying in Alberta for a while. Yeah, 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 for a while. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. (laughs) Cheers, man.
Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. It. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Thanks once again to Michael Milos of Rye for appearing on this, the 593rd episode of Creative Control, which is part of the Entertainment One Podcast Network and available wherever it is you get your podcasts. If you can't find an episode that you're looking for, you've heard about it and you just can't track it down on any of those podcast platforms, or if you want to learn more about me and sign up for my monthly newsletter, please visit my website, vishkano.com. Everything you need to know about me and the show is basically there at vishkano.com. You can, uh, you know, like and follow Creative Control's pages on various social media platforms. Predominantly these days, I'm on Twitter at Vish Creative, or you can follow me directly at Vish Kana on Twitter. Also on Instagram at Vish Kana. I'm there as well if you want to. Spending more time on Instagram than anything else for some reason. I don't know why that is. I'm not a good photographer. I'm not a very visual person, but somehow I make it work. Go to at Vish Kana at uh, Twitter and uh, and Instagram, if you like. Also, visit patreon.com slash creativecontrol to make a flexible monthly donation. $6 or more a month grants you access to exclusive content. And if you're interested in receiving a Creative Control t-shirt for your donation, please message me on Patreon and I'll get you one uh, while my uh, limited supplies last. Again, it's $6 or more. $6 is not the minimum. You can donate whatever you can afford and you can always change it so if if you you're feeling pretty high on the hog and you're like ah twenty dollars a month i can i can swing that and then you need to go back down to six or eight or three whatever it is it's very flexible learn more at patreon.com slash creative control thanks again to live at massyhall.com where you can watch beautifully captured concerts by great canadian artists like rye there's a rye 30 minute video uh, performing live at Massey Hall. Again, live at MasseyHall.com if you're interested. Also want to thank Pizza Trocadero, The Bookshelf, and Planet Bean Coffee in Guelph, and Granddad's Donuts in Hamilton for their in-kind support for this show. Uh, thanks, too, to Jim Guthrie for letting me use uh, music of his on the show from time to time. You can learn more about uh, Jim and his work at JimGuthrie.org. And finally, thank you for listening to this episode uh, with uh, Michael Milo Shavrai. I hope you enjoyed it. I enjoyed speaking with with uh, Michael there. It was fun. It was really fun. I enjoyed it and learned a lot about animals, California and, and home and Milos clan. It was, it was really, I enjoyed it. I hope you did too. And uh, if you, if you like uh, this episode with Rye and you've never heard the show before, consider subscribing to the podcast and asking your friends uh, to do the same and, and help spread the word about it. That would be meaningful to me. Uh, all of it means a lot really. And with that, I'm going to go. Thanks again for listening. I will talk to you soon. Bye for now. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. 
Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.